0: A little bit of low patience sometimes when I hear that, you know, people are not happy, but then they're not taking the ownership to actually turn it around. Because, I mean, who else is going to do that on your behalf? Three, two, one. My name is Espri Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I.
1: Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality. Support the Women in Tech podcast. Follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses.
0: LinkedIn presents.
1: Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. My name is Maria, and today I happen to be your guest host. This episode, however, will not be about me, myself, or I. And therefore, I'm super excited to introduce you to the Lady of the Hour, my guest, Agatha here. Agatha is a V.C. investor at Norcono VC, a firm based out of Stockholm, Sweden. So hi, Agatha. How are you feeling? Hey,
0: I'm very good. Thanks for having me.:
1: <laughs> Yeah, so as mentioned, I'm super excited to dive di- uh, deeper a bit with yourself about uh, your journey in tech, and uh, so maybe let's kick off with, uh, with like a general question. So tell us about yourself, who you are and what you do. Yeah, as mentioned,
0: I'm Agathe, Uh, same as you, Maria. I'm from Latvia, which is crazy because it's a country with a population of 1.9 million people, but somehow we end up in the most random places. I don't know, hopefully for good reasons, not bad, Uh, but uh, born and raised in Latvia, actually from a really small beach town called Liepaja, but somehow life led me to the big world of finance and started my career at Morgan Stanley and spent the first half of my career working between London and New York uh, in the finance world. But to be honest, have always had sort of a calling for ev- for everything to do with, with startups and uh, sort of uh, told myself that way overstayed at Morgan Stanley, but eventually the startup world came calling and I was sort of deciding between either starting something myself or joining uh, someone else's journey and uh, in that process met two incredible founders that were just about to start something. So then I ended up being the first employee at the fintech startup called BrickVest. So really saw firsthand what it takes to lift something off the ground. And after the startup journey, uh, that was kind of my way into the venture world, uh, combining both the years of finance as well as startup to combine two in one in a VC role.
1: Wow. That's insane. I think that uh, you're probably not the only one from uh, kind of a, with a finance background, Morgan and Stanley, uh, a bit overstayed and then kind of like trying to figure out what's next startups or VC, right? Yeah, exactly. And in
0: the end, I managed to kind of do a little bit of both.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, and now you're with the with Norskin. Uh, so the firm is quite, uh, is relatively new, right? So how long you've been in the market now?
0: So Norskin as a whole was started by Nicholas Adelbert, who's one of the co-founders of Klarna, which today is one of the most valued uh, fintech companies. And after more than 10 plus years of building Klarna, he really started to question, kind of, you know, what's the net contribution of solutions like Klarna to the world. Decided to leave it behind and dedicate his time and wealth to building uh, Norskin which is an ecosystem for supporting impact tech entrepreneurs because we ultimately believe that it's going to be entrepreneurs that will be the key to solving some of the global issues and our job here at Norskin is to be the one-stop platform to provide these founders with everything that they need and that today means that Norscan sits on three key pillars it starts with physical spaces because we need those happening spaces I'm right now sitting in a building that is full of 500 uh, entrepreneurs, so we're all under the same roof that uh, work here day to day. It's incredible space. Uh, it's incredible space, and and you always, from the minute that you enter the building, you just kind of feel the the buzz in the air. And then secondly, Nordscan has, uh, you know, through through the years, become a leader in organizing different kind of impact tech events around those topics. But then last but not least, of course, you know, nothing can really get off the ground unless you also have capital. And that's where I come in place. And that's where Norskine VC comes in place. I'm one of the four partners. So together, the four of us started Norskine VC just over five years ago. And we started it under this uh, Norskine ecosystem umbrella. But other than that, we're operating as a sort of an independent commercial uh, impact focused VC.
1: So how did you guys co- came together? So I understand that so it's you, your three partners. Uh, is one of them the Klarna's uh, founder or who else is in the picture? Yeah,
0: it's actually interesting how the four of us came together. So Nicholas is one, one of the GPs and he's active day to day in the VC fund. And uh, when he sort of started to get the idea about that, you know, of course, capital and the VC fund has to be part of the ecosystem. The first person that he called was uh, David uh, Frickman. He was actually one of the mentors to the Klarna founders. And a fun fact, he uh, he used to be a CEO of one of the largest e-com businesses in Sweden. And he was one of the first customers to Klarna. (laughs) And during that transaction developed, uh, friendship and mentorship uh, with the Klarna founders. So when Nicholas started to think about starting this, he was the first call, and then Tuve, who's uh, the other partner, uh, she had also known both Nicholas and David for a year, uh, for years, and she's been one of the early movers in the impact space. Uh, I think she was in impact before impact was a thing, which, which is incredible. And then, to be honest, I was a little bit of a wild card. <laughs> came into the mix. My story was that I was wrapping up things with, you know, the startup that, that I helped on building and uh, wanted to move to Sweden, which is where my husband's from. And I kind of was, you know, just talking to the people in the local ecosystem saying like, hey, you know, I'm this girl, uh, have some finance background, have startup background. Now I really want to go into a VC. And literally everyone pointed me in the direction <laughs> of, uh, of of and so then I was the missing piece of the puzzle and the four of us uh, really started uh, started this together and have been working together since day one. And it's been a lot of fun and it continues to to be fun.
1: Wow, uh, that's incredible. Um, about your journey. Uh, so you mentioned that you were kind of looking for a VC um, role in the space. And I think like five years ago, if we are looking now at the European kind of a level, it's still very male dominated. And uh, and back then when you were, you know, just fresh out of a startup, Ben, um, how was it for you? Did you already have some other leads or uh, I don't know, were you looking at some associate level positions? You were like, yes, I'm going to be a GP straight. <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: I, I I think I mean there were a couple of options. I I I would say that you know probably the combination of finance plus startup is is probably the most template route into VC. I mean not to sound not to make it sound easier than it is, but it, it it's sort of the background that I had led lent itself really well for for transitioning into the VC route and then when uh, when when i sort of came to this it was really the choice between you know joining more bigger more established platforms but ultimately i think i've always been a risk taker i've taken a lot of risks in my career and also, one of the biggest drivers that I have is is this passion of building something from scratch. So, you know, when I met the rest of the partners, we immediately clicked on a very personal on, on a very personal level. And then the I, I was not even not even close to considering any other options because it was just uh, the perfect match. And 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 of course, also uh, the impact dimension played a huge role for me. I've always been they're impact driven as an individual. Uh, have done a lot of uh, kind of things in my free time that, that have been my way of sort of contributing something back to the world. But I never really considered career and impact. Quite frankly, I always thought that working an impact means working for an NGO, which was completely wrong. But back then, you still didn't have a lot of impact fans. We were literally the first impact fund in the Nordics. So, <laughs> but when I sort of, you know, understood the potential of combining top tier financial returns, but with an impact lens, uh, for me, it was a real light bulb moment, and since then, I, I haven't been able to look back at but at anything else.
1: Sounds like you were a great catch, and uh, and your partners probably are really happy about you joining. Um, so. Th- Now, continuing more about the firm. uh, So you mentioned you're an impact uh, firm. So what does that really mean? Like, uh, how do you guys define impact as a it's widely used word these days? Uh, I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned yourself, uh, for you previously, it was more about the NGO sector. Yeah. So what does impact mean to you?
0: Yeah, for us, the way we look at impact is that we really want impact to be at the very, very core of the business model, where you can safely say that for every unit of impact, there is also unit of sales. And, you know, we're an early stage investor and and being an early stage investor, you know, that it's never a straight line from A to Z. There are many zigzags and there are many pivots along the way. And as an impact investor, we have to be sure that there is no way that you can kind of pivot out of being an impact company, which basically means that fundamentally you have to be in the right sectors where uh, in sort of the right sectors where you can't in a way, pivot out of being an impact company. But for us, that's that's how we look at it. We look at it for every unit of sales. There is also a unit of impact. And for most of our investments, we're able to crystallize that down to almost an exact formula that if it's a climate company, uh, then we will know what what is the equivalent of the CO2 emissions uh, as a result of the top line revenue number.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, between the partners of the fund, uh, do you guys somehow like, divide focuses? So, for example, you yourself uh, are you focused more on climate tech or any verticals below it?
0: I mean, we're we're still kind of generalists at heart, and and internally we often use the phrase that. Ultimately, we want to follow our passion. Of course, now you know we've, we've been investing for more than five years. We have a couple of clusters of areas where we've been really active. For instance, let's say electrification or food systems or so on. So we have developed the natural expertise in, in each of these clusters. Um, but at heart, we're still generalists. And, and one of the things that, that drives us is just also speaking for myself one of the greatest joys i have in this this job is just this ability to learn every single day that every single day i could be you know deep diving in a completely new topic completely new industry and and you know at the end of the day i feel like okay i'm 0.01% smarter because i have learned about an industry that i did not know before and and i think it's 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 uh, yeah important to keep that curiosity uh, the, that let curiosity drive you
1: but you must have some favorites right the, the, those verticals, those founders, companies that you, you're you like, immediately you have this connection with and you're like, yes, I want to invest in them.
0: No, of course. And climate is a very, very big, uh, big focus for all of us. We would say that about 80% of the f- deals so or investments so far have been in the climate space and then 20% in more social impact um, side. And then within climate, there are just so, so many different subcategories. We're really excited in terms of the themes. One of the things we're super excited right now is, let's say, energy. It's just incredible to see how the geopolitical climate has put energy on top of everyone's agenda. And for the first time in five years, we see, you know, top tier serial entrepreneurs, Uh, You know, starting with blank sheets and saying like, hey, if I'm to build the next business, I want that business to be something that helps us alleviate the situation that we're in. Uh, So energy, home decarbonization, uh, let's say industrial, uh, leading ourselves to green industrialization, electrification. So uh, a a lot of different uh, themes and, and
1: topics. How would you describe now? Uh, I I think most of our listeners will probably come from the US. Um and and for them I think uh, climate tech is still a rel- relatively new term. Um I think the most most of the deal flow for uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh these days come, you know, primarily out of Europe uh when it comes to climate tech or am I wrong? No, I I
0: think there is definitely the momentum building globally. Um Some say that Europe is a little bit perhaps ahead, especially maybe the Nordics that have always led very much with that kind of sustainability and and general corporate social responsibility. But we'd say there is exciting deal flow both in Europe and US and, and also the VC universe is maturing where we see sort of impact specialist funds being launched both in Europe and, and and U.S., but also generalists adding climate tech as one of the verticals. Um, these days, you could say that pre- pretty much any generalist will have climate tech as, as one of the verticals that they're focusing on from both the top-down and, and bottom-up um, perspective.
1: I guess if your investor is a uh, IEF, uh, then you should most definitely have an in, uh, impact arm, which is uh, regards to climate tech. In in regards with Europe, uh, well, obviously, the the ecosystem here is booming. There's more capital than ever uh, in Europe. Uh, Founders are becoming more and more skilled uh, in in building world-class companies. How you see uh, your fund um, kind of leading this impact space further?
0: No, that's a good question. It's sort of when we started, we were literally the first kind of impact focused VC in the Nordics. And we were still, let's say, maybe the fir- among the first handful of impact VCs in Europe fast forward to today i mean the picture is is a lot more crowded when i say crowded i don't mean overcrowded i think you know our baseline was zero so we're literally going from zero to two to one percent or or few percent of, of the market so it's still very very far from saturated but of course a lot has happened in the space uh, over the last five years and that of course means that in the early days uh, as an impact Focused vc we were just different from the get-go you know it was sometimes the first time that both founders as well as others could hear the hey you know we're we want to chase unicorns but we really want to chase unicorns that have a deep underlying impact and mission of the company and we sort of relabeled them as impact unicorns and that immediately resonated today the founders are turning the table and saying like okay i get what impact investing is i love it how are you different uh, from from the you know from 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 the various impact funds um, out there? And I think different funds have their you know everyone has has their edge. And I think one thing that we love about impact space as a whole is that I think it's a bit of a natural self-selection of people, where you find that everyone on the VC side, you know, is m- quite mission-driven, and, and hence we want to do everything we can to kind of grow the ecosystem as a whole so it's fairly collaborative dynamic in the impact vc uh subsection but yes founders will ask you the question like hey how, how are you different to all the other impact funds uh out there and and to us the answer sometimes is uh we we, we sometimes call it it's our unfair advantage because it truly is unfair on the <laughs> on the fund side we're 15 people dedicated to the fund but we're part of the bigger norskin ecosystem that's big living breathing organism and and our core pitch to the founders is that when you get capital from us you know you're not just getting the backing from the fund you're actually getting a backing from this global ecosystem of founders supporters uh and and, and network and and we can do a lot to to leverage that in our support uh, of of the founders that we back
1: and is that working
0: it is it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, some concrete ways as, as, for instance, in the end of the day, you know, uh, one can also sometimes be critical of the value add that VCs uh, truly create <laughs> because, uh, you know, in the end of the day, what founders want, they want to have the, the two most critical things, most actionable, easy and tangible things that you can give a founder is like, hey, give them hires and give them client leads. And as a big global ecosystem, we're really well positioned to do both of those because we can leverage the global talent pool and then keep attracting uh, great talent into our global talent pool that then our founders can tap into. Same with corporates. Um, Oftentimes, uh, if we... Uh, oftentimes, we 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 have partnerships, uh, or or the ecosystem has partnerships. Was a long list of corporates where we can make direct intros that are super relevant for our founders. So I think a day doesn't go by that we don't leverage the global community and ecosystem around us.
1: Yeah, I was uh, just about to transfer into uh, kind of the founders' value proposition what you have. Um, so you already started to tap into that. Um do you you also guys host programs right you have accelerators as well you the there are like two types of uh, partnerships so one is uh, purely investment and then you have also accelerators right yeah
0: exactly so there is a the whole de- dedicated accelerator fund and team and our goal is to you know we really look up to Y Combinator and what they have done for the global um of tech ecosystem for really early stage startups, and we really get inspired by them and, and and our goal is to to build sort of the the Y combinator of impact that that sits within the norsekin ecosystem and so far we've run two uh, it, the program has been running two years in a row, so we've been now through two cohorts with just incredible impact founders and, and great momentum around it
1: Can you name us a few companies? That you are that have that are under your uh, investment scope, um, that you're super excited about, and who you think are going to be, you know, either next tech, next tech unicorns or will have a decent exit.
0: Yeah, of course, we've we've sort of been lucky in, and also early movers in the electrification space. Uh, we're backers of uh, Northvolt, uh, which is um, for those who don't know. It, oh, I know
1: them. I know them for sure. Probably our U.S. listeners uh, doesn't, but yeah, Northvolt uh, is a great catch.
0: So it's sort of an ex-Tesla team that is building a European challenger to the battery, uh, to the Tesla gigafactories. So Northvolt is building Europe's largest uh, green uh, battery gigafactory and we've been really fortunate to be part of that journey from early on. Uh, another concrete example, Ainride. Um, they are uh, e-trucks or EV truckings as a service. So let's say if you're a large corporate such as Coca-Cola or Lidl, et cetera, if you want to electrify your supply chains, then you go to Ayn and say like, hey, this this is what my supply chain looks like and, and please electrify it. And they will do everything from the software to actually delivering the actual hardware to help companies meet that goal. To continue on the electrification theme, uh, theme is actually another company called Heart Aerospace. They're a good example. They came out of Y Combinator and we backed them at the pre-seed stage. So they're building um, electric aircrafts and today have signed um, uh, major agreements with some of the world's leading uh, air, uh, airline companies and have been off to exceptional start. So a lot of electrification in our early portfolio And then now, now we're kind of tapping into the current things. For instance, another good example is comma5 uh, that that's a company based out of Germany and that's growing incredibly fast they're sort of decarb they're being your one-stop shop to decarbonizing your home because the reality today is that you know if you want to install solar or heat pump or anything else to decarbonize your home it, it's just you know such a hustle <laughs> it's such a painful experience and the whole concept behind what they do is like hey let's bring the tech mentality and the best you know best-in-class UX to this dull industry and let's just make decarbonizing your home as easy as shopping online and 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 customers love it and and that's one of the reasons why they've been uh, growing really really quickly because the value proposition is is so so clear
1: looking from the kind of timeline perspective so impact founders five years ago versus now what has changed in in terms of them approaching uh, investors, them kind of, uh, you know, becoming more aware of the market situation, et cetera, et cetera?
0: Yeah, so much has changed. It's crazy. I mean, I remember five years ago, we would reach out to some founders that, you know, we heard were doing great things and we'd say like, hey, you know, we really think what you do is really cool. We want to talk to you. And they would turn back and they said like, we're not social entrepreneurs we're building this to you know to be a profitable company and we said like yes yes you know we we truly believe that you can be an impact entrepreneur if you're building a unicorn so in the early days there was a there was almost like being an impact entrepreneur almost had a little bit of a negative connotation because it seemed that you know you're just doing something charitable rather than you know building the next unicorn
1: yeah i remember i remembered those times yeah it was this uh, the same situation in here as well and then fast forward to five to now
0: no one's really asking that question it's almost the opposite that founders i think see it as a badge of honor that they can wear you know that being an impact entrepreneur is is a badge of honor and one of the reasons they want us on their cap table is because they see that okay if I have a Norscan BC on my cap table that's stamp of approval that I'm kind of you know the real deal impact entrepreneur and and that's that's fantastic to see and I think that kind of goes at the very heart of the idea behind the whole Norscan ecosystem and and movement sometimes Nicholas tells the story of how In the early days when he started together with his co-founders they started klarna literally while they were still at university and back then what inspired them to start klarna was that there was like a swedish price comparison business price runner that exited for 10 million dollars but at the time it was like wow you can build a website and you can sell it for 10 million dollars let's do that you know sounds super inspiring And then a few years later, Niklas Zenstrom exited Skype for something like $3 billion. And then they said, oh, wait a second. So maybe you can also build a tech business that's valued at $3 billion. And then their goalpost just changed. But it was very driven by, you know, looking at these role models and looking at what's possible. And the goal of Norskin is, is to do exactly the same for impact. I think, you know, these days in our society, we sort of look at these, you know, some of the tech founders almost have this celebrity cult-like status. But instead of them being pure tech entrepreneurs, you know, it would be even more impactful, no pun intended, but, you know, they were uh, impact tech entrepreneurs. And, And we see that a big part of our job is to create this generation of impact entrepreneurs so that, Next time, you know, some bunch of students coming out of uni, when they think about what kind of business they should start, they should see like, oh, wow, look at those impact companies. I want to do something like that. And let's figure out how we can do that.
1: So from your experience, um, looking towards creating these impact ecosystems, so what do you think has been kind of the leverage that you guys have had when creating this um, global movement around Norskin and 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 maybe what would other ecosystems could take away from your experience?
0: Yeah it's a good good question. I think I think it's probably fundamentally that the roots of the ecosystem are within startups, you know, founder being from Klarna a lot of the early you know, the first uh, first cohort has always been ex-founders, uh, startup operators. So from the very beginning, you have a very strong core startup oriented DNA. The other part that I think Norscan has succeeded in that, you know, whenever you think about impact or even climate funds or somewhere, you know, the typical pictures you see in the background is kind of doomsday kind of feeling doomsday scenario and we kind of want to flip it around like yes you know we there are many reasons to be really worried about but we kind of more want to be the celebration we we sort of wanted that you know it it's 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 it, there's so many reasons to be excited about the future because there are so many exciting innovations uh, that are in the pipeline. Like there has never been more innovation happening in the world than than currently. And 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 you know yes we need to appreciate the heaviness of the or the burden of the challenges, but I think norskin is also a lot about celebrating these innovations, celebrating these founders, and and in, in such a way creating a lot of energy yeah like that that kind of becomes like this this the the ecosystem is just buzzing full of energy and excitement and optimism and i think that has been one of the secret ingredients
1: yeah so mission driven team creating energy around the space yeah well that sounds like a winning combination let's then maybe take a few steps back i from the beginning in the beginning of our conversation you were uh, describing your journey into the tech world about the finance sector background and moving to startup and then becoming a VC. So what was the kind of flip point during your time at Morgan Stanley when you were like, yes, I should probably focus on finding uh, a good startup that probably has like, five months runway, but that's fine. I'm just gonna, you know, leave my uh corporate consultant shoes uh in New York and, and and join a uh a startup that could, you know, potentially go down in a few months. So what was what was your calling back then?
0: Yeah, I've just I you know it's like sometimes like I've just always felt it as part of my dna like i i've been always interested in startups for as long as i can remember and it's always been a big present uh, you know presence in 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 my life and everything that i have done so when i eventually jumped into the startup world i felt like there was zero risk Uh, it, it was sort of that i had solid background solid experience if the startup journey didn't work out i can always go back to what i was doing before so for me it really felt like a fail-safe kind of uh, environment. But you know, being in a startup, I also realized like I'm naturally quite a half gl- glass, half full kind of person. I'm an optimist at, at heart. And I think that helps me. And I'm also very comfortable with uncertainty. So sort of being in this, you know, crazy tumble dryer that a they, Typical day in a startup looks like is, you know, a ton of uncertainty. As you said, you're dealing with stuff that are like, hey, are we going to raise the next round or not? You know, if we don't, <laughs> then we're out of money. And, and, you know, maybe we have to postpone our payrolls or, or you know, those, those those kind of decisions. For me, I always took it super lightly. The uncertainty didn't scare me. It actually energized me. And and uh, at the same time, I saw in the early, you know, there were in, in our startup journey was a lot of people with similar backgrounds to me who maybe had the you know corporate careers be it in finance or or consulting or other other kind of you know bigger firm (laughs) careers and then they kind of drank the startup kool-aid and thought that yay now they want to jump on the startup side because that's the cool thing to do and then day to day they realize you know they just Realized that they wanted the frameworks, they wanted the structure, couldn't quite deal with the uncertainty. And I think a lot of people in that journey realized, like, oh, I, I actually have realized that it's not for me. Uh, for me, it was the complete opposite. For me, it was like, wow, I, I kind of, you know, this, I, I feel like a fish in the water. If, if uh, I don't know, if that's uh, it's a Latvian expression. I don't know if you can use that in English. But for me, I felt more like that a sounds fish. about right. Yeah, I felt more like a fish in the water in the startup world than I did at, you know, at at Morgan Stanley. Uh, So and I'm not saying and it's definitely not for everyone, but I think until you don't try, you don't know. And and that's why, like, I think everyone should actually try a lot of different things. I think very few of us are so lucky to get it right from the get go like it's 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 almost impossible that you know your first job was your dream job you kind of have to experiment a bit to find your dream job
1: <laughs> yeah i agree um uh, but still i'm i'm kind of like I haven't got the answer though uh so your time at morgan stanley and then you just shift to startups were you then the person who was you know all the time kind of shopping around while still in consultancy um, and, and then you just, you know, okay, startups sound interesting. I like technology. I like products. I like, you know, this risk averse environment. Or or was it that you were already exposed to the tech world uh, when you were still at Morgan Stanley's? I'm just trying to figure out the shift there.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I love that you're deep, digging deeper. Makes me think about it. No, I've... I've always been part of the tech community. Uh, even while I was at Morgan Stanley, you know, after work in the evening, I used to go to every tech meetup that I could find. And 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 so I was uh, during the Morgan Stanley years myself together with a bunch of friends that came from the tech world. We co-founded the edtech charity, and and the goal of it was like let's bring tech talent into. Uh, kind of uh, less privileged schools to to inspire students about you know what possibilities does does you know learning to code open open to you so I was always very very deeply involved uh, in the in the tech world and tech community and and when I finally made the jump I was actually working on my own business idea and I was about to start my own uh, business and had already sort of lined up co-founders. But then I met these two incredible other founders and I just felt that, wow, like what they're working is just, you know, the vision of it is just 10 times bigger than, you know, all my other ideas. And then uh, I think I'm quite ego less person. And for me, it was like, hey, like, I think this is a better idea compared to all the other ideas I was working on. So, yeah, I'll join them. And and I didn't really uh, I, I probably felt like at my heart as if it's, you know, like a co-founder, but I wasn't an official co-founder, but I didn't necessarily need the label to get the same, the same drive out of it uh, in in that journey.
1: Now I had my answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. It's, uh, I think it really does takes, it takes courage to kind of, you know, realize that, you know, what my idea, you know, in comparison to this, what they are building sucks. So I think, yeah, well, it takes courage.
0: No, yeah, and it's also, I mean, maybe if I can like relevant or not, but it's uh, like I, I sort of feel like whenever you make career transitions, I I actually think it's almost like pre prerequisite that in your old role you're kind of in one step already into your next career switch. Because even now, I mean, we've, we've when I ha- when I'm interviewing uh, people to join our VC fund, and if I ask the question like, "Hey, you know, what are some of the most interesting tech journeys that you've followed, or what are you reading about, what are you excited about?" and if someone coming from kind of the corporate world trying to go into the VC world, if they haven't been reading about startups or following startups, then you know. It, it's not the right career track, you know, VC is also an all encompassing role. It's a role where it's hard to draw the lines between, you know, what's your work friends and your friends friends. It's sort of everything (laughs) kind of blends and and merges in one. And if that's not your intuitive interest where it's like your bedtime reading is, is actually something about tech startups, then I would, you know, really, Think twice if if that's the right career choice. But but for me it was something that I had consumed and lived and breathed as far as I could remember myself. So 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 in that sense, like I kind of felt like I was part of it even, even without kind of being officially part of it.
1: Yeah, I can second uh, all that you mentioned. I do indeed read during my bedtime the latest news on Sifted. <laughs> I do indeed. I I think I already, I already have dreams about startups and like the tech community definitely, you know, some improvised uh, pitches and uh and so on. So, yeah, I totally agree about the fact that you mentioned that you must have a natural interest into you know the the the, the scene in general, but also I think it you have to be curious by nature as well um in order to to make it into into this world of um kind of you know going after big ideas that have not yet been uh tested in the market and you do not yet know whether or not this will you know be something bigger than uh than your apartment idea along the way i usually there are some you know special people that you meet uh who kind of Deserves to be called your mentors. Have you had one? Yeah, it's
0: it's it's also did, you know it's given. This is American podcast. It's very like I know that the American culture is very mentor driven, which I think is a good idea. I think in Europe we're 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 a little bit shyer in in that way. I can't say that I have ever put like an official label on someone. You're my mentor, but actually, I, I of course I have had many many mentors in life, and and maybe that you know to single out uh, two. Uh, why I stayed as long as I did at Morgan Stanley was purely because of my boss. I hadn't. I was so lucky to work for someone that I really l- admired and looked up to. He was someone who showed that, you know, even being on Wall Street, you can still lead with a lot of a lot of integrity, empathy. Really sh- defined the rest of my career to show that, you know, that really that's the most powerful form of of leadership. It, it's actually to lead with integrity and empathy and um and the the other true role models for me and mentors are the my fellow partners uh, we're four in this and actually what the day that you know that when we decided to start uh, the fund and, and and kind of set this off we engaged some kind of you know coaching person. co kind of we did with the session, like, okay, let's understand our personalities and and so on. And there was this one framework that we used, which was by two by two matrix. And then the result of the survey was that each one of us is in our own matrix uh, and and our coach who works with us regularly, he says it's very, very rare that for that he has almost hardly ever seen in his coaching career, such a well-balanced senior leadership team where each one of us is so, so different, uh, but at the same time our we share some kind of DNA and we sing to the same tune, we have the same values, the same uh, and and which makes it easy to work with but but they're my true role models and mentors in every situation. uh It's like whatever comes up is 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 is, is I'll be reaching out to at least one or all of them to come to the best decisions.
1: We were discussing a lot about the career shift, um, and when is it, you know, the right time to move into something different if you kind of feel like, you know, this, this could, you can do something else, or you want to do something else, or, or you just, you know, have a feeling that that's it, you know, there's nothing else for me in this current job. How did you uh, kind of knew when to pull the plug, like, for for other, you know female listeners uh, trying to figure out whether or not, you know, take a bold step uh, towards new career path. You you also mentioned that you overstayed there. Well, mainly due to the boss. Now we know why, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I would say, I I,
0: I think it's usually, I mean, it it, it depends for different people, but, you know, I, I generally think that usually it's about one year from when, you sort of start to plant the idea in your head that, hey, you know, I think now is the time. But it is, you know, if if you have a good things going, it, 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 it still takes some time to fully integrate that decision. And I think for most people, as far as I have seen, it takes about a year to understanding that, hey, I probably should start to move on to then one year later, you're like, yeah, ready. Here's my resignation letter. So it is a process. But I also think it's... You know i hope i'm doesn't sound too direct but you know it's 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 um not a lot of people are happy in their careers and 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 in their jobs and and i just think that in, and I, I am you know i don't know who's listening to this but you sometimes are surrounded by friends and friends of friends who know for years and years and years have said that they're not happy in what they do and that they don't see the long-term perspective but you just have to realize that no one else is gonna do anything on your behalf I mean it's 100% something that you have to own and I think if you just keep complaining that you don't feel in the that you're in the right place but you're not doing anything I just think you know then then either accept it wherever you are (laughs) or really move on like I I, I really I, I have very <laughs> a little bit of low patience sometimes when I hear that you know people are not happy but then they're not taking the ownership to to actually turn it around because I mean who else is going to do that on your behalf no one else like you kind of have to seek out that next opportunity and, and yes sometimes it's hard to find the hey what is it that I want to do next but and you have to explore you kind of have to the, you, you have to be open to exploring and sooner or later I mean there is going to be something that's going to kind of trigger you and, and where you're going to feel like ah, oh, yes this is what I was you know waiting for and, and this is the opportunity.
1: But Agata what's next for you then? I mean five years in North VC has flown away like in no time so what's next for you guys? I assume you intend to stay there. But there must there must be some uh, new interesting developments, right? Because I I take you're a person who always you know needs something more, 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 more. What else? What? Where else can we make impact, and how we can scale it?
0: No, I I think uh, you know you're you, we we're five years into this, but honestly, we're just getting started. Uh, you know, the last five years have been about. An uphill climb when it comes to be it fundraising or, you know, winning that really competitive deal. And then for the first time ever now, it feels like I shouldn't say, you know, downhill that maybe makes it sound too easy. But at least it's you're not anymore on this like massive, steel, steep uh, uphill climb where, you know, raising capital becomes easy for, for our, easier for our funds, you know, winning the next deal becomes easier, Recruiting okay, talent. That's becomes a bold easier.
1: statement.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, maybe, but, but of course, I mean, but also the, what happens, you, you just keep raising the bar and you just keep aiming higher. So I think, uh, we, we very humbly hope that, one day we can really be the Sequoia of impact and and that's our goalpost where we want to build out an investment platform uh, that that will be seen as as the world's leading impact investor.
1: I think that, you know, Sequoia of impact speaks for itself and uh, and for this goal to be reached, yes, indeed, there's, you know, a lot more to do, Um, but what you guys have built by now is something incredible already uh, I think for the European tech ecosystem you guys have a word you have incredible founders under your uh portfolio and yes indeed I think you're just getting started so it's from my perspective and from from kind of like the point of view where I'm seeing all this going I think you were the early first movers and uh and that, that is something that you will always have, um, no matter you know what new player uh, comes to the picture um, and, uh, and so forward.
0: I mean, maybe, like, no, I, I kind of, it's, it's like we, I think everyone constantly has to keep raising the bar because it's also when you get too complacent, that's when you know that you're already two steps behind. And, and even for us as an impact investor, we had the luxury of being one of the few players in Europe where our message resonated immediately and now there are many more players so we have to keep you know pressing ourselves harder like hey how do we still keep standing out like how 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 do we keep raising the bar and and that's also not easy so even though I said many things are becoming easier but also the challenges are becoming bigger in a way
1: yeah yeah I agree all right so we have arrived uh to the Almost end of our session, and uh, but before you leave, uh, Agate, here are some fire questions that I wanna that I wanna quickly do, and let's start with the first one. What are your favorite books? You can name one or two.
0: Maybe unconventional choice. The one that I read. Every time I feel a little bit lost, I read it and it sorts me out in a second. It's uh, Michael Singer, Untethered Soul, uh, really my go-to book for lifting me up.
1: How are they two different?
0: It's the same. It's The author is Michael Singer, ah, okay. but the book is Untethered Soul. <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Now I know I got it. And about podcasts, video, series, anything to suggest to our listeners?
0: Yeah, I'm not being very original here, but I still, my one of my all-time favorites is how I built this. I know it's a classic and it's probably not very original, but uh, still still one of the oldies.
1: <laughs> and from the VC perspective?
0: Probably go-to is 20-minute VC.
1: Mm-hmm. Very popular in Europe. Not sure about US though. Any other resources uh, for those who are just getting started in the space or any hacks, how to kind of, you know, get familiar with it?
0: I think best is like in wherever in the world you are, just seeking out the local tech meetups and, and then you just get submerged into the ecosystem and you very quickly understand what's the flavor of the month.
1: Thank you so much, Agathe, for joining us. This was Women in Tech, and we were here today with Agathe from Norskan VC.
0: Thank you so much.